This evening, church, we have already sung about and heard that beautiful rendition recounting the coming of Jesus into our world. But it is now at this point in the service where we do have the privilege, and it really is a privilege, of looking at God's word here in Luke 2 to see what God told us took place amazingly in history 2,000 years ago. And concerning this narrative of what took place in history, as many of you probably know, these are pretty famous verses here about the shepherds and the angel and the declaration that Christ has been born. And in a way, these are, these are beautiful verses just on the surface, and they're, and they're pretty simple to understand. But also, what I hope we all see together in the short time we have now in God's Word is that when you dig a bit deeper, these verses and in how they're written... They show us not only the fact that Jesus came into the world and how he did so, but they also show us what the Christian gospel actually is, the good news of Jesus. Meaning, what I hope we all see together this evening is here we're going to be told not just that Jesus came, but pretty profoundly in these four verses why he came, which in many ways might be even more important because for most of us in here, We probably know that Jesus existed, but why did he really come, and and who is he? And if that's that's all true, what does it really mean for you and me, even 2,000 years later? And briefly, that's what we're going to be seeing in Luke chapter 2 this evening. But before we do get into all that, though, as for a quick outline, if this helps you of where we're going to be going in just the next 15 minutes or so we have together this evening. So we are going to go verse by verse through that passage that you just heard read. And as we do so, we're going to just have four pretty quick steps to understand and apply these verses together. Four quick steps with each verse simply being a step. And we're going to do it that way because taking these verses like that, again, will reveal to us not only how Jesus came, but his good news message as well. Meaning, really, it's going to show us the reason for Christmas and why Jesus matters to each one of us in this room. And so, and so that's where we're going, but all I'd say, let's just start now here in Luke chapter 2 in our first step. And for this, we're just going to be in that verse 8. And here to begin, we're going to spend a little time looking at the first people that are talked about here in this narrative, and that's the shepherds. And we're going to talk about what their presence points us to. And so this evening, again, I really do encourage you to have your Bibles open because we always say here at ECC, it doesn't actually matter what I have to say unless what I say is in line with God's word as he speaks here. So please have your Bibles open. And the account in Luke chapter 2 begins like this. This is verse 8. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. We'll stop there for now. So for us, hearing that and thinking about these shepherds, especially around Christmas time, what we probably immediately think of concerning these shepherds is maybe their lowliness, right? Their lowliness. Meaning for most of us, probably because of certain things we've been taught on this, we might jump to thinking about how these shepherds weren't highly regarded people because they were in a super not respected profession. And now most scholars in history agree that that's basically true. And furthermore, in fact, most scholars think that because of certain quotes we have about shepherds from around this time and because shepherds did their job mainly away from society, shepherds were also considered outcasts as well. And so shepherds here are lowly people and possibly outcasts of society, but but that's not it. Because finally on these shepherds back then, what's also really interesting and most likely true is that they were, as a group of people, considered especially sinful as well. 
especially sinful, similar to tax collectors, if you know how the Bible talks about them. And now to be honest, this is some debate on that, but it seems from sources that that was the case. And when you think about it, that actually makes a lot of sense because like tax collecting back then, so shepherding was something that could lead to a lot of corruption. And why? Well, because you were doing your job so far away from other people and there's no way to confirm, for example, what you happen to say happened to the sheep and things like that. And all that could lead to corruption. And again, it seems that it did, which is why shepherds were known as especially sinful people. So that's verse 8 in these shepherds. And all that said, that then points us to the fact that this isn't random, therefore, that God, when when he decides to announce the birth of Jesus on this night, 2,000 years ago in history, that he decides to do so to shepherds. Because even right there, we can see, just thinking of the gospel, the good news, it seems that God doing it this way is clearly on purpose. Because again, if you're tracking, who does God decide to reveal himself to on the night when Jesus is born? Well, broken, lowly, possibly outcast people. Not to the people who think that they've got it all together, but to people who probably know that they're messed up, that they don't deserve God's presence. People who, just like us, are doing what they do. They're they're living their lives. They're, They're keeping watch over their flock by night, which they always did. But then, something happens to them. They don't initiate it. God does, and it changes their lives. So that's verse 8, and that's just our first quick step looking at these shepherds, which next now leads us to verse 9. Verse 9, and now here we're going to look at how the Bible says that God, through the angel, appears to these shepherds. And so, and so really try to imagine this scene, because this is, this is, this is history. You've got these people just, just living their lives on an average night, doing their jobs. People not super respected in a lowly position, kind of outcast, definitely sinful people, just like you and I are sinful And then this happens next in verse 9. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with fear. So so here's now where we start to see, I think, and I hope you see it, the intentionality in how the Bible records this. Because notice Luke, who's the writer here, he decides to emphasize twice in that one verse that an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And then, quote, the glory of the Lord shone around them. And hearing that, you can, you can sense how that of the Lord is emphasized. It comes up twice. And, and just so you know, that emphasis of on of the Lord matters especially because back then at that time, if you know your Old Testaments at all, the Lord was the way that they rendered the very name of the one true creator God. Yahweh, the Lord God in the Old Testament. This is the Lord. And so the shepherds are out there. An angel, a messenger of the Lord appears. And the glory of the Lord, probably meaning some some bright light shines upon them. And therefore, what happens? Well, understandably, the shepherds are filled with fear. Fear. And, And now that makes sense as well, doesn't it? And that in itself, church, is an important step in this gospel. In the gospel. Because, because remember, the, these shepherds are, are, are people just like us. They're people who are small and not very impressive and sinful. And then a very messenger of the Lord, the very bright glory, the, the weightiness of the Lord appears to them. And so they are afraid. And rightly so. 
Because they not only know, they only don't know what in the world is going on, but think about even the, the light and the night imagery that's going on here. Because you might have noticed it is specifically said that they are doing what they're doing at night. But it's at night that the very bright glory of the Lord shines upon them, which I think is supposed to point you and I to the fact that I'm sure they were shocked and surprised, but also I'm sure they kind of felt exposed in that light because of who they were, because of all the the hidden darkness that they knew that they had messed up about them. Right, and so that's verse 9. And again, hope you can see it. That also points us to the gospel because let's be clear. In the gospel message of Jesus and of Christianity, first we are like these broken shepherds. We are. And then God initiates it. We don't. And he comes to us. And yet the truth is that because of all that on our own, we kind of should feel this initial sense of, oh oh my. (laughs) Right? The sense of, and I'm in trouble in the presence of God if I'm just out here on my own. Not because he's bad. It's not about God being bad, but because I messed up and he exposes my darkness. And now though, on that, let's just spin here, be honest. Out of all of those, these steps this evening, it probably is this one that in our culture, and us just hearing that in this room right now, goes most against the grain. <laughs> because first, for m- many of us, we may not initially think that we've really got anything wrong with us or sinful at all. And then also, second, some of us may think it doesn't make sense at all to say that if we were to come into the presence of God, that we'd feel exposed. But that said, let's be honest, I do think that we realize that, sure, responses like that may be our initial responses, especially because of the culture we live in. But when we all just take a second and slow down, friends, deep down, we all, I think, probably realize that we get this. We resonate with what the Bible is talking about here, with this step. Because, yes, we all know that it's, it's Christmas time, and so we're rightly here talking about joy and peace and such. We've been doing that this evening. We're going to talk about it in a minute in Luke chapter 2. But also, let's just for a second be real. Even in the midst of all of that talk, we all know deep down that we and our lives are not totally right. We feel it. We've got parts of us that we would prefer to remain hidden. There's shame. And yes, sometimes it's, it's shame that's unnecessary, but also, at other times, it's proper shame because we really do wrong. Right? All just like these shepherds. And so again, if a, a perfect angel of the Lord and the very glory of the Lord himself, I mean the God who created us and is perfect, if he were to appear to us on our own, we, we would rightly feel exposed. Right? Understandably fearful just like the shepherds. To be tracking, that's the second step here, which amazingly, though, now leads us to the third step. And this is now the famous verse 10. And here we're going to see the angel declare that good news of great joy to the shepherds. And so, the shepherds are understandably fearful, but now continuing on, look at verse 10. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. And so for the overall thrust of that, what's said in history to the shepherds first, notice right away, God says to them through this angel that they actually amazingly should not fear. But, listen up, everyone here notice this. God does not say through the angel, fear not for, because, behold, you're actually fine on your own. You notice that? 
Nor does the angel say, fear not, for because, behold, you can now, from here on now, be good enough to make up for all you've done wrong, shepherds. You notice that? And we need to get this for all of us in here, no matter what background you're from or if you're Christian or not, please understand this. This is so important and applicable because those would be secularism in a nutshell and that would be religion 101 in a nutshell because secularism, think about it, it says to us, do not fear because you're fine on your own and you can make your own peace and joy by yourself. While on the other hand, every other religion will tell you to eventually get to the place where you don't fear that fearful God by you being good enough or you praying enough or you giving enough or you even doing good things that are in the Bible like making sure you're baptized and you attend church service enough or following man-made traditions enough. But that's, that's not biblical Christianity. Instead, what's the angel's clear message here? Do not fear, for because behold, there's good news. There's gospel. And not only that, but, it, but it's good news of great joy, meaning this is really the best and most joy-producing news that's ever happened. And finally, and it will be for all the people, all of them, including you outcast shepherds, including us. And so that's verse 10 in our third step. And hopefully you can kind of just feel how incredible that message would have been to them back then and still is for us. Because I know we have heard that verse so many times before. But, but man, can, can you imagine in that moment the breath of fresh air that would have felt like to these fearful shepherds? They're afraid and exposed. But the very angel of the Lord is here to declare that they actually shouldn't fear but not because they're finding themselves and not because they can go from here on out and be religious enough. Instead, but because good news of great joy from God has come for all people. That's why. And so, so it is still today. Okay, so that's our third step, which finally, though, for this evening, leads us to our fourth and last step and verse now. And this is really the, the climax of this whole account. And here we're just going to briefly see why what was happening to the shepherds and what happens for us still in Jesus is such good news. And so for this, we're going to be in verse 11. And as a reminder, we're still here listening to the message of this angel. And not only that, but notice specifically what he's about to say now in verse 11 begins with that word for again. For, because. And I know digging into the Bible like this might seem nitpicky to you, but it's actually really important. It's helpful because think about the message. The message is do not fear. Because there's great joy. And it's going to be joy for all people. But still the question is, but what is the good news? Right? Or the question is, and how is it though that such good news is actually possible for these shepherds and for people like you and me? Really, how? And verse 11 tells us. And so look there now for our last verse here together in Luke 2. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. <laughs> so why is this such good news of great joy for all the people, including sinful people like the shepherds, including sinful people like you and me? Well, again, to really repeat this, notice it's not because God has come to show them the way to be good enough. Instead, it's for because unto you, unto these sinful shepherds, unto us, is born this day Meaning the good news centers around a person who's come. And who? Who is the person? 
Let's just quickly break this down first. Unto them is born this day, quote, in the city of David, which if you know your Bibles, that's Bethlehem. That's telling us that this is going to be the good king that has been promised. And then, uh, and then in the city of David, a savior, meaning again, for these shepherds and for you and me, the message is not, hey, here's the good news. I'm now making it so that you can do good enough to save yourself. No, the message is unto you is born a savior. He's the savior. He's the rescuer. And then, quote, a savior who is Christ. And just so you know, that is not Jesus' last name. But Christ is the Greek word for Messiah, meaning anointed one. Once again, talking about the Old Testament promised king. But finally, and just stick with me for a few more minutes. Finally, church, that's not even all that's there in verse 11. Because as for the final and absolutely beautiful and brilliant thing that is told to us here in God's word, please just look one last time at the ending of verse 11. It's amazing. I know we have heard this before. We've sung this this evening. But let's get this. This baby being born, which is the good news, in the midst of the seemingly fearful presence of the Lord, he's Christ the Lord. Christ the Lord. And now if you're tracking, maybe you can sense why that's so incredible. Because, because what's going on here? Well, let's, let's, this is where it all comes together. Because remember, step one, the shepherds were lowly, broken, sinful people like you and me. And then step two, the glory and angel of God appear. And yet the Bible's really clear to emphasize that it is the angel of the Lord. It is the glory of the Lord. And that makes these shepherds exposed and rightly fearful, understandably so. But then amazingly, step three, there's good news. And what is it? Well, it's good news of great joy available to everyone. But still, what's the good news? How is it that sinful shepherds like them, people like us, can actually experience good news of great joy? Well, here's the point. Step four, it is that the very same Lord the Lord of perfect glory and brightness and perfection, the Lord who has all of the angels at his service, who is holy and eternal and always good and so good that he can expose our darkness, he's the one who's come. You see that? It's incredible. Christ the Lord. Meaning in just these four verses, we see pretty clearly exemplified who we are and what we should feel when we compare ourselves to God. But also we see very clearly who God the Lord actually is. And who is he? Well, his name is Jesus. He's the Lord. Jesus has millions of angels at his command. And yet he, in love, decided to come here for us. To die, to live, to live, to die for his people's sins, to, to rise again. And he promises he's going to come back. He came and accomplished that good news for us, for our joy, all because he's the Savior and because he's Christ and the Lord. That's God. It's incredible. And so that's this famous account just here in Luke 2, verses 8 through 11 in church. And really, that is the message of Christmas and of Christianity in general. We are broken and sinful. And the glory of the Lord on our own understandably would expose us. But there's good news of great joy for everyone. And it is not to deceive yourself into thinking that you can create peace and joy and forgiveness merely on your own. Nor, one last time, nor is a typical religion, even 
religion that uses the name of Christianity, but, where it's, where, but still where it's about you doing enough or giving enough or following man-made traditions enough to be fine with the fearful God. That is very common these days, even in the name of Jesus. Instead, the message of God's word really is God himself has come for us. The same Lord of glory who created us. And again, his name is Jesus. He did what needed to be done in his life, death, and resurrection 2,000 years ago. He's alive. He's coming back one day. And all he asks of us is that we genuinely trust him. And so for all of us here this Christmas Eve, I just, I just pray you've personally done that. That you've trusted in this living Jesus. And that does mean that for some of us in here, maybe this is the first time in your life that you truly understood that the Christian message is ultimately one of grace, real grace, because perhaps because of the, your upbringing or your tradition, maybe it's even a Christian tradition. Maybe you came in here this evening and you did think that Christianity was kind of mainly about doing things for God or about being a good person or about following man-made traditions. But really, from God himself this morning, in God's word, I just hope you see that's not it. Instead, it really is that God has come for us. He, he alone is the Savior. We, we trust Him. And so again, if that, if that is just newer to you, I, I pray that perhaps you might genuinely trust in Jesus. Maybe for the first time in your life, this Christmas Eve 2023, come to have a, a real relationship with the Jesus who came into our history 2,000 years ago and is alive today. Please don't leave here without making that decision. But then, but then finally, for, for those of us who are here and we have trusted in Jesus by God's grace alone, church, let's, let's just right now, this Christmas Eve, just be amazed and encouraged at the fact that this really is the good news. Our God is, is this kind and loving and gracious. He's, he's perfectly powerful and holy and glorious. And in that holy glory, he, he so loves broken, lowly sinners like us. And so church, for all the peace and joy that we are going to feel this Christmas season because of beautiful things like family and friends and gifts and even services like this in it all, let's just remember it's all because of him. It's because of our God because unto us 2,000 years ago in history in the city of David was born our Savior Jesus. And he really is Christ the Lord. Amen? Amen. Let's pray.